It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. Thank you so much for being with us today. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios today, as usual, certified financial planner, Josh Gregory, but special guest, Dr. Greg Chenoweth. Yeah, have you ever wrestled with the idea of going back to college or advancing your education in some way? You know, is is it worth it? How would you pay for it if you did? Mm-hmm. You know, these are issues that a lot of people wrestle with, and we're excited to address these questions and more with our special guest, Dr. Greg Chenoweth, president of Bethel College. That's right. If you have any questions, we're going to be hitting one kind of throughout the program today and maybe a couple others. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us in a couple of different ways. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text 574-222-2000. Don't text while you're driving. Call or text 574-222-2000. And also all over social media, uh, we've got the YouTube channel running. So if you want to see us in the studio, you can check us out there. Facebook, Twitter as well. Just search Wise Money Radio. Welcome to the program, Dr. Chenoweth. I'm honored to be here, guys. Oh, Thanks. We are delighted to have you. Thanks for giving up uh, some time today to be with us in the studio. It's been, uh, Josh has been been uh, thinking about this for a while, so we're so glad to have mm-hmm. you on the program. I'm, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself in just a second. I know you've been at the helm of Bethel College for the past five years, and I, I also know there's been a lot of excitement brewing, a lot of exciting changes that have been happening. I'm going to tee that up in just a second. So, But what else about you do we need to know, family, kids, and and, and even what book are you are you reading right now, if you wouldn't mind sharing that as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, Tammy's my wife, happily married for 29 years now. Emphasis on happily. Yeah. It's possible, right? <laughs> I think it gets easier the longer it goes. So we're actually really grateful for that. Uh, three adult kids, so we're empty nesters now. We call it Parenting 5.0. We figure there's at least four parenting phases before they're, you know, launched out of the nest. That's another program, folks. I there think we're going to invite you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're seriously, we're, we're thinking actively about what does it mean for us to parent effectively in this phase. And so, uh, anyway, uh, three adult kids, uh, uh, almost age 26, then 22 and 21. Two of them are married, so uh, I keep saying twice now I've hit the son-in-law jackpot. Ah, (laughs) Really great guys. Love having them in the family. And oh, I should mention a dog, Maple. Okay. Multi-poo. 10 pounds, little furball, little nothing, (laughs) little lightweight, but she's a lot of fun. Oh, (laughs) nice. Nice. All right. Well, before we dive in, uh, I I mentioned that you've been the catalyst with a great team, right, at, at Bethel, making some really exciting changes. And one change is about the name, right? Why don't you share us a little bit about that change, how it all came about and all of that? Yeah, so uh, we started 1947, Bethel College. Most people know us that way. But in May of 2019, we will become Bethel University. Uh, Literally May 6th, 8 a.m., we answer the phones that way. The emails change. Between now and then, uh, signage changes. But the main reason is uh, our composition has changed, and uh, what we're doing, most people would think, is a university. They're surprised if they're meeting us. Uh, We use the name college. I guess the 
highlight would be now one out of eight of our students are in graduate programs, more research focused. About one out of 10 are online. We literally have online students that have never been to campus. We have online students in Arizona and Florida and the mm. Carolinas and Tennessee, all of that. And uh, then about one out of 12 or 13 are born out of the outside the US and uh, in almost every other part of the world except for the United States college connotes community college. And so we have a lot of students who say their parents are asking them, after you're done at Bethel College, when are you going to the university? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, this was a board-initiated um, question, mm -hmm. and uh, they retained jurisdiction over that. But enormous support for that. Uh, we actually hired an outside firm to help us think through this shift of name and identity with our constituents. Super high support for this, enthusiasm about that. So that's coming in 2019. Ah, I love it. Yeah, it's Bethel, a big deal. Bethel University and, and uh, Bethel has, the Adult and Graduate Studies Program has been a, a supporter of the Wise Money Show from the very beginning. And it just flows right off my tongue as I get to say that each and every show. And I might stammer a little bit when I switch to Bethel University. That's right. You know what I love uh, with you uh, helping to lead that transition, you're seeing something that most college presidents never experienced during their tenure. And you've had to wrestle with the board at Bethel on, you know, why do this? Uh, how do you pull it off effectively? That sort of thing. But it, it gives you a unique perspective. And I've been excited to have you on the show for a while because uh, I, I think you're going to bring an insider's perspective on this whole notion of college, university, um, it, how we develop young professionals, young people into productive adults. And uh, this this question of is college still relevant today? I, I think you're going to uh, be able to help us answer that question. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Uh, let, let's dive in. Recently, we received a fabulous question from a fan of the show, Scott31 Buchanan. I'm thinking about going back to school, but my wife is worried about the cost. I see it as a future investment. She sees us as us going further into debt. How can I figure this out without going into the hole financially? I, I love the candor that Scott's demonstrating with, with this question. Throwing his wife under the bus there? That's, that's right. Okay. But, but it's a common question. And really, it's one that we often hear of parents sending their kids back, you know, off to college. Mm. Um, he's asking it for himself going back to school. But he embedded in this question is, can I afford it? If so, how can I afford it? And thirdly, should I afford it? And so the very first question, it's baptism by fire around here. We're already asking you to mediate between two spouses, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you say if, if we started with that question of should I afford it? Can you talk about uh, who, who's right in this situation, Scott or, or his spouse? Yeah, uh, it's a fair question. We get that a lot, of course. Uh, I would say college debt is emotionally fantastic it's worth acknowledging that it scares people yeah but if we enact our brains and not our heart on that it is still the most efficient financial return to a person's life probably of any other uh, possible outcome and there's lots of dimensions of this we could talk about I'll, I'll say a few things you just redirect me um, there's so many sub issues there but mm -hmm. um, you know the average debt college debt in America is about twenty eight thousand dollars um, you think with me about how many people spend that on a wedding? Yeah. How many point. people who are 25 years old spend that on a new truck? 
And you know how it is. You drive that new car off the lot, you're losing two or three dollars, two, two or three thousand dollars before the sun sets. Yeah. That wedding, it's a sacred event, but you know, it's a fancy dinner party and it's gone. But uh, somebody has said there's nothing that actually appreciates in value other than land and education. Even the house that you own, if you do the amortization, cost of ownership is pretty high, right? Yeah, it is. So yeah. you're going to sell it at a high rate later, but taxes and upkeep and renovations, you don't probably get a whole lot ahead financially, but you definitely do with college. And a couple of uh, quick illustrations would be that the average lifetime career earnings for a person with a degree is uh, $1.5 million. Mm-hmm. So at Bethel, we've done the math, and for every $1 in tuition, you're getting $25 back. Wow. So if it scares you to have a little debt, you need to look at return on investment or value, mm-hmm. not just price. You know, there's uh, when I was first learning about when, when when I was first learning that I had a passion for finance, I and personal finance at that. It was there was a distinguish between financial capital and human capital, and I I think and Josh and I we probably don't focus on this enough. Hmm. But there's there's a big high emphasis about building financial wealth, building financial capital, and possibly not as much on investing in your human capital. That's the return you're talking about. And investing in your skills and your knowledge that you can then trade for a return in the marketplace. I like the spirit of Scott's question too, though, because he, he framed it as going back to college. So he either started and didn't finish, or maybe he's wanting to do another degree, some sort of an advanced degree. But that's the world that we live in, isn't it? That it's not just four years of school and then you're done. It's really setting yourself on a path of ongoing lifetime learning, constantly recalibrating and um, and, and sharpening the saw, as Stephen Covey says. So there's several places we're going to take this question as we have this conversation unfold with Dr. Greg Chenoweth, and, and we're, we're thrilled with that. But there's several facets to it, um, and we're going to talk uh, more and more about how you can approach college planning, even whether your son or daughter, whether it's appropriate to consider them working while in school and um, and what options are available, available to you to make school as affordable as possible. So still a lot more to come here with Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How can you or you help your son or daughter graduate college with that human capital invested in that brain with as little debt as possible, ready to succeed in life? That's what we're talking about today. I'm so glad that you're with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory and special guest, president of Bethel College, Dr. Greg Chenoweth, thanks for being with us. I want to say special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. Couldn't do it without you. If you have a question, we're tackling one right now. If you have a question, you can call or text 574-222-2000. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com, or all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search, just search Wise Money 
Radio. So we had a question chime in from um, in one of the listeners in Buchanan and said, listen, I'm thinking about going back to school, unsure about the cost. I think it's a worthwhile investment. Wife's not sure. How do we do it? And specifically said, we're concerned about debt. So Dr. Chenoweth, can you chime in and talk about how or either what Bethel's doing or or just your perspective on how can people get through school with as little debt as possible. Yeah, uh, there's all kinds of interesting and important things to talk about there. Um, even um, how much is acceptable level of debt and managing that. But as far as uh, paying for college, uh, it, one of the solutions is a specific program. There are there are debt free paths. But just to put that option in context, how is college paid for? Well, I think the reason this question intimidates people is it's not easy. It's not like going and buying a pack of gum, a simple transaction. There are lots of moving parts. So when you think about it, there are five, six, seven different sources involved to pay for college. You know, the first one paying for college is the institution. People forget that. The headlines like to uh, express outrage about the cost of college, but we're the first one in. And so we have several ways that we help pay. So uh, one category will be merit-based aid. One category is need-based aid. And the third will be endowments. Merit-based aid is uh, uh, scholarships for academic strength Mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, say, an athletic scholarship, uh, music, art, theater, things like that, based on the merit of their skill. Uh, For example, right now at Bethel, uh, there could be a $16,000 scholarship per year for academics alone. Wow. Merit. So, yeah, people should uh, definitely get tutors and study and do well in the classroom. It it literally pays, you know. We talk to a lot of parents who get intimidated by the sticker price, not realizing just how much aid can come down, what kind of discounts can be applied to their son or daughter's school bill. And, um, you know, more and more schools are putting right there on their website uh, almost like a a calculator on what would an appropriate amount of discount, what's an expectation that they could have, it'll get refined through the financial aid process. But uh, what I'm hearing, though, is that the sticker price should not turn someone away, no matter what school they're looking at, really. That's a really important point. Um, Some language matters. uh, Vocabulary in this uh, area matters. Uh, Cost and price and value are different things. Yeah. So um, that gets that discount rate question. Uh, The sticker price um, is not what people pay. What they pay is net cost to them. And so you're right. You could have a, this is a very important point to people shopping for colleges. You really don't shop actually on list price. In fact, it's more expensive. You have to kind of get your your brain calculator up for this. Hmm. It's actually more expensive to go to a cheaper school if it takes you longer to graduate. What I mean is, you, you go to say a public school, lower price, but you don't graduate for six or seven years. And by the way, the graduation rates, based on data, U.S. Department of Ed, National Center for Statistics, bears this out. The uh, About 60% of people at a private school graduate in four years. About 40% at a public school graduate in uh, four years. Mm-hmm. And it's even less at a for-profit institution. Hmm. So if you're, ba- if you're choosing a college based on price alone, the, the, pat, the speed to degree matters. So if you're paying more each year for four years or less each year for five or six, you might be paying more actually for your college experience in the second equation. Here's, a, here's another point to that. There's an indirect cost. In year five, 
if you're still in college, you don't have income. That's right. So uh, over six years time, ironically, you could pay more per year for four years, work year five and six, and be tens of thousands of dollars ahead than going to a cheaper school for six years or seven. What a wonderful perspective. Mm -hmm. What a helpful perspective. And you mentioned, you know, shopping for college. Careful, don't do that based on price. There are a lot of people shopping for college, if you will, right now because of the FAFSA applications, which I'd remind you, those opened October 1. So make sure you're submitting those. If you haven't yet already, um, send those in. But but yeah, be careful when you're selecting, if it's just based on price, those other factors to consider. That's brilliant. Yes. You know what I like about that advice or that perspective as well is it emphasizes the student's involvement. It's their choices. You know, how how aggressively they're making their way through school, how, how uh, dialed in and focused they are. It is your choice what school you go to, and it's your choice how long it takes you. Mm. And even the preparation that you as parents help your child with in choosing a major, you know, are are they... um, truly researching the field that they think that they want to go into? Are they experiencing it in some way or, or you know, doing job shadows, internships, those types of things so they can validate or confirm that decision before they start college so that they don't spin their wheels in college, changing majors multiple times and extending, extending that college career potentially. So you mentioned there were seven ways to pay for college, and I'm not sure if you hit all of those there. You started with the scholarship. So yeah. can you? Yeah. is there more to add there? Yeah, I just want to help your listeners realize there's an awful lot more help than they might think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Number one is actually the college is the first one to help pay for their son yeah. or daughter, right? So uh, average discount rate in America for a private college is uh, about 40%. Wow. Uh, there was actually an article this week in the Chronicle of Higher Ed that said among private colleges, one out of five of them have a discount rate of 60%. Mm. Wow. So the institutions are giving merit aid. We talked about academics, music, yep. art. Second category, we need based aid. And so after we find out uh, on their literally merits mm-hmm. what need there is based on EFC, estimated family contribution, the FAFSA process, there's aid there. Third would be endowment. So most colleges do have an endowment and that's gonna be a very targeted sector. So if uh, there might be a family who endowed a scholarship and they said, we wanna help fund, for example, a female student who wants to be a nurse uh, from an impoverished family. And mm-hmm. so there's money there. So the institution has three ways in first. Another way, it's paid for college course outside grants. Don't forget that. Uh, I know of a student that helped pay half of her tuition by little pockets of grants all over the place. Love it. Uh, you know, yes. her, her part-time employer, if it's a big company, might have uh, that. The third way is uh, need-based grants from the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Indiana, you can get up to, hold on, are you sitting down, <laughs> up to $9,000 a year based on financial need from the state of Indiana. Hmm. How would how would a family uncover that? Through the, the FAFSA, admission? FAFSA, oh, through, okay. and EFC, yeah, that's right. So like our financial aid counselors, let them know that based on their, what we call EFC, estimated mm-hmm. family contribution. So state aid, federal aid, Pell Grants, up mm-hmm. to about five or 6,000 per year. I mean, if, if you are what we call a zero EFC, uh, based on your FAFSA, your income statements, you're not expected to have almost anything to contribute to college. If you're in Indiana, You've got $15,000 per year just from federal Pell Grants and then state grants. Wow. And then another area, of course, uh, the family 
should cash flow what they can. Yep. Don't forget Uncle Jim and Grandma Myrtle. You yeah. know, uh, don't forget to ask them. Many times, if they're just saying, what, what if Grandma can cover your books? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So asking there. And timely there, Dr. Chenoweth, because it's gift-giving season, right? right. And so it, it, do, you, do you get another uh, gift card to Abercrombie, or do you get them you yeah. know, their books for Te- the next Textbooks one? under the tree this yeah. year, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very timely. I want to mention kind of a, a power stroke in the way to pay for college. I call it the one-year debt-free wand. It's like a magic wand you wave over your debt. We recommend this to our families, and increasingly they're practicing it. What we say is, make a covenant with your child. If they graduate in four years as an incentive, tell them, live in our home completely debt-free, no rent, no costs. We're just going to carry you the first year out of college at home. And we don't care what kind of jobs you have. It's no comment on your professional trajectory. I don't care if you're scooping ice cream and cutting grass. <laughs> Job one in that fifth year is to pay off all your college debt. And I'm telling you, I know of a couple that got married out of college. In two years, they paid off $100,000. I love it. I know of another family. I saw her. Uh, she's a Bethel uh, nursing graduate. In one, it was an 18 months, she paid off 40000 in debt. So um, when you think of the long list of ways to pay for college, I haven't even mentioned loans yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that. But most, that. Most people think that's the first thing. Right. That's kind of the last thing. So we've got that as well. If you do need to go into debt, what's an acceptable level? We're going to talk about that and more. Come up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you getting as much merit-based, need-based, both from the school and endowments as well from the state and government as possible so that the cost of sending your child or yourself to college is as low as possible? I hope so. I hope so. We've ran through a few tips and, and a little bit of that process. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm excited that you're joining. Uh, my name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studio is Josh Gregory and special guest, president of Bethel College, Dr. Greg Chenoweth. Speaking of, I want to say thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies for sponsoring the Wise Money Show. They've done so from the beginning. Thank you on, on behalf of all of us at KFG for, um, for making that um, and supporting this this program. Also say thanks to Diane Bennett and her team of realtors at Remax 100 for helping to make the Wise Money Show possible as well. We've been talking about college planning and boy, a, a few different perspectives that normally we don't get to uh, here on this program. So so already, Dr. Chenoweth, your perspective has been incredibly helpful. If you have any questions, we've got a few more to hit. Reach out to us, 574-222-2000. You can call or text 574-222-2000. Wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us online, and then Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search Wise Money Radio. So we're in the middle, or near the end, I should say, of addressing the different ways you pay for college, and, and you put them in a certain order, which starts with the college and university, right, and and then merit based and and so on. But let's uh, let's finish that list here. Right. Well, we're talking about seven or eight ways that college paid for. What if loans were the last point, not the first point? And what I'd just like to say about college debt, I've said earlier, it's emotionally fantastic, but it's the most reasonable and efficient way uh, for return on investment that's uh, possible. Um, you know, some people say, uh, I must get my son or daughter through college debt-free. Debt-free is obviously a, a powerful concept. But how about this? How about revenue-generating debt? How about revenue-generating expenses? Uh, so if you know, on average, from college debt, 
you're going to get, on average, by career, $1.5 million over your working years from that. To have 20000 in debt is actually pretty smart. Yeah. So uh, just a few thoughts on debt is that um, I think most people really have a misunderstanding of how much debt most people have. I'd like to just define normal there. This is from research. This is from U.S. Department of Ed, census data, things like that. Uh, actually, uh, it's, it, college debt's kind of like a fish story. Uh, it gets exaggerated the more people <laughs> talk about it. In reality, only 5% of college bower, bowers have uh, over 100000 in debt. Only 5% in America. Hmm. And almost all of that is graduate and professional programs. Let hmm. me tell you about my niece. Uh, my niece Alyssa graduated her undergrad with zero debt. Hmm. Nice. But she now has about 200000 in debt because she's a veterinarian. Hmm. Okay. She was married. Uh, they decided to just do that all on debt. And she's going to have a high-income career. They've, they've amortized that out. They made a self-conscious choice for that. So people going into law and medicine, that tends to be the profile. When you either headline 100000 it's usually that, just 5%. Secondly, only, uh, I say as much as one quarter of college borrowers graduate with no debt still, one out of four in okay. America. doesn't matter what institution type. Uh, third uh, comment is the highest levels of debt are for graduates in for-profit institutions. Hmm. So it's not just all colleges are monolithic, which institution types. Yeah. So private colleges, you're getting a high price and high discount model, high price and high discount. Average net cost uh, tends to be half. At Bethel, our discount rate is about 47%. So, uh, but you're not getting that model for public institutions or for-profits. So the national data is that uh, at for-profits, a third of the f- graduates have more than 40,000. Hmm. But at public schools, uh, it's about 20% and private's in between. So institution type, it varies. Last thing I'd say is the average debt in America is 28 or 30,000. And so the really important question, I think, is value, yeah. not debt. Is is this a revenue-generating kind of debt in my life? I would never advise, and I have not advised uh, my family, to go buy a brand new car, drive it off the lot, you lose money that day. But uh, this is one of the rare areas where um, you're getting high return. The kind of silly way I say it sometimes is, if in Bethel's case, $1 of tuition gets you $25 back over your working years, you cannot get that ROI at the blackjack table in Vegas. (laughs) You're not gonna get that flipping houses. uh, So it is pretty efficient debt financially. Yeah. The, the voice you're hearing is Dr. Greg Chenoweth, president of Bethel College, and uh, sharing with us seven different ways that people help pay for college. And I, I want to add an eighth one that is, um, it, it could fly under the radar screen potentially. You know this show as a financial planning show, and uh, we're always talking about tax planning. But a lot of folks, uh, they don't fully appreciate some of the tax planning opportunities that exist when you get to the college years mm-hmm. or as you're preparing for the college years. We've often talked about things like the Indiana 529 plan and how there's an incentive for you to set aside money into an education account for your son or daughter and receive a 20% credit. That's $1,000 potentially that you could have off your tax bill each year that you make that contribution. So if you're going to be sending money off to a college or university 
it's important to even funnel the money into the 529 plan before it goes to the school because it can make you eligible for this tax savings. And also on the federal tax return, there are things uh, like tax credits that you can receive there as well. The American Opportunity Credit is a big one. It, it, the chance is there for $2,500 of, of tax credit. That's free money that you don't have to pay back on 4000 of tuition. And mm-hmm. so maximize that. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people who are to the point where they could be eligible for that. Kids are in college, they're spending that money, but they don't have the margin in their life. And and so their income's above the threshold and those credits are phasing out. When in fact, if, you, if there was a little bit more margin, you could save more into your 401k, make your income look a little bit smaller and qualify for those things. And so, yes, once again, take a tax plan approach because government tax credits are the possible eighth way to help pay for college. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, uh, there's a ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, actually, when you think about it, because for an adult student who wants to go back to college, uh, we have this, some colleges have it as PLA, Prior Learning Assessment. Um, what happens is, say you've got a 32-year-old single mom who's a bookkeeper. Uh, she doesn't need college because her job is stable, but if the job market softens, if there's a financial duress, she, she loses her job, she just want to have some stability from her degree. Well, because she's already been doing bookkeeping for so long, she applies for prior learning assef- assessment, PLA. She petitions to not have to take some college classes based on her competency already established in those classes. So now, instead of doing a four-year degree, she only has to do three and a half or three. Yeah. It's uh, literally cheaper for the degree, PLA. Another example is um, we have some special programs that um, are designed for the poor students. So, for example, Bethel is launching something called Field Scholar Program. Uh, students who have the least capacity to pay for college, uh, we've designed a method that they uh, basically cash flow and work their way through college. We have arrangements with guaranteed employment. Imagine for four wow. years, oh my employers who have said, I'll guarantee them, say, 15 hours of work during the school year, 30 to 40 hours in the summer. And then we're supplementing that with a one-on-one mentor with financial um, management uh, counsel every uh, semester. So, for example, they're not getting a windfall of cash and then going to buy a Camaro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have uh, a work-life seminar once a semester that coaches them in our worldview about what it means to serve God through your work, not just your employer. So things like punctuality and teamwork and problem solving actually have a theological basis. So it's bigger than just punching a clock. And uh, through all these mechanisms, we've actually figured out a way that a student can actually still in 2018 graduate debt-free. Another thing comes to my mind is... uh, AP credits in high school. I was thinking, I was going to ask your perspective yep. on that. Yep. Do you, are, do you, are you a fan of that? Yeah. Uh, we have students more and more that are coming with as many as 30 college credits wow. they earn during high school. That's a full year of college. Yeah. So what they're really paying for in college is three years, but this is more and more popular. Uh, students in high school and their parents are more assertive about those things. Yeah. The last thing I'd say too, I don't know what number we're on, 12, 13, 14, <laughs> is even the format, the format that you're cho- within the same institution. So a traditional on-ground student the per credit rates are higher than an adult student on ground that comes in and out and even cheaper for an online student. So an online format program by format, even if you're local, might be a financial solution. We've got a, a student in Bethel online now. She lives in Elkhart. You think, why doesn't she just drive 20 minutes to campus for classes? Why is she doing it online? She works for a Fortune 100 company. She has four kids, and she works 50 hours a week, and that's, it's cheaper. That's great. So, that's And that awesome. ties in. I want to get your perspective on a couple other things. What, uh, How much debt do you think is acceptable? And then is it acceptable to be working 
even part-time as an undergrad or or uh, what have you, and still going to college. I want to get your perspective. So still, lots to come here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here in the KFG studios alongside Joshua Gregory and President of Bethel College, Dr. Greg Chenoweth. If you've missed anything, we've been tackling college planning from, boy, a whole new perspective today. It's been, I found it wildly helpful. If you've missed anything and would like to catch the previous episode or this entire one, first, check out the YouTube channel. You can find it at uh, on YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. You can subscribe to it. You can share it. A lot of people right now are exploring what college to go to for next year. And so very valuable to be listening to Dr. Chenoweth share his perspective, his thoughts. So I'd encourage you to listen that way. Everything, every episode is podcast as well. So you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play. You'll want to search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. Lastly, you can find every episode online as well. Wise Money Radio, there's an online player right there. You can just listen right there. If you have a question, you can also submit a question right there on the right also. We've got a few other lists questions here we've we've been uh, sort of um, talking about the ways you can pay for college Gavin's 48 from Edwardsburg and and he he has a very interesting question I know it's on a lot of your minds my oldest son is in is in his freshman year of college initially we were not wanting him to have a part-time job to help pay for school but rather just focus on getting good grades do you typically recommend kids get jobs while attending college, especially as a freshman? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, let me help the parents with defining normal. Uh, resist the pressure from your kids who you love to have them not work at all. The reality is uh, one out of four students in America, college students in America, work full-time. One out of four work full-time. Wow. wow. Eight out of ten work part-time. So working some is absolutely normal. The other thing that's really important for parents to know is there was a fascinating study done of uh, 500,000 uh, college students who work part-time out of 500 different colleges and universities. And they looked at the relationship between their work time and their grades. Good question. Because usually the appeal is if I work too much, my grades suffer, and uh, the, the whole project gets upside down. What they found was that working up to 20 hours per week does not correlate with negative effects on their grades. Hmm. So uh, I often ask that question, um, not if they're working, but how much. 15 hours, fine. 12, fine. If you're working 30 hours, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be an irony that because college is expensive, I want to work more to pay for it, but I get lower grades or drop out, and now I don't get the financial benefits of the very project I'm working on. So 20 hours or less is the threshold. You know, the other thing I like about students working while they go through school, depending on what they're studying and what field they're working in, they may be able to actually start applying some of the knowledge as they're gaining it. You know, you study it in class, you apply it in that part-time job immediately. Not not only that, though, I, I went to a small school in Lansing, Michigan, Michigan State University. Uh, um, and I don't know, I, but 
most of what I learned in college was time management and so on. So yeah. if you if you are working, and I worked through college, if you're working and going to school, you get an opportunity to figure out how to do conflict resolution in the workplace, right? Figure out how to adapt to a changing business model, you know, as things evolve where you work. Um, you know, how to lead projects, how to communicate with customers, all sorts of things that are going to be vital for your human capital. I, I look at some of the lessons that I learned while I was in my college years, and many of them I learned on the job mm. because you had a boss that just held you accountable or, you know, taught you a, a work ethic that maybe you would have picked up eventually. But there, there is absolutely something about juggling multiple responsibilities that will help you grow your character during college. Yeah, I, I'm sure there was, you know, lots of value in the technical skills I, I learned in the classroom, but there was so much value in just managing the college experience and working at the same time. I wonder how many of this generation are going to be doing some sort of future degree, whether it's another undergrad or a graduate degree, down the road while they're working full-time, while they're a parent. Yeah. You know, they may be juggling much more in the future and still learning in the future. So don't don't coddle your kids. Don't try to protect them because you actually may be uh, preventing them from from some important growth. Okay, so speaking of, of coddling, so Dr. Chenoweth, as a parent yourself, right, who's who's been through this, but also as an academic insider, I wonder what wise advice you'd offer to a parent out there who hasn't launched their kids yet from the nest. I mean, what's the most important, what's most important for their development to help launch a kid successfully from the nest, either into college or out of college into a successful career? You know, I, I, this is a fascinating topic for me because, you know, we talked uh, a little bit before this and you, you didn't know if we'd have time to get to that. And you you uh, said that could be a question. I actually asked my own adult kids that question. I thought maybe your listeners would benefit from hearing from them, not from me. Yeah. Here's some things they said. I, I literally uh, wrote it down. Um, one thing they said was they remember a mantra in our home, which was follow your dream and we'll visit. Hmm. And they said, <laughs> we've benefited from having parents who have not suffocated and suppressed us geographically. Be mm. Out of your own love for them, you want them close, but it limits them. And they've felt they've benefited from It's very hard for a parent to let go like that. Yeah. But follow your dream and we'll visit is a different approach for some families. They, they benefit. Abby, my oldest, she's uh, nearly 26 years old, lives in Los Angeles. She said it's helpful during the high school years and college to speed up the trial and error process for your kids. Speed up the trial and error process. Uh, creating professional exposure opportunities. I remember one time I had a business trip and uh, she was, I think, a high school junior, and she was always interested a little bit in counseling. So happened to be that I was going to be meeting with uh, the owner of a national counseling service. So I actually flew her there with me. And while I was doing my work, this kind gentleman set up a one-on-one -on -one sort of job shadow day or an interview with a professional in that field. And uh, she reflected on that, said that helped her speed up trial and error, helped her skip over things she doesn't like or discover things she did. Um, another thing That's that great. my kids said was, this is kind of funny to me, Allison, my middle one, she's 22. She said, Dad, I remember you forced us at age four, five, six, seven to when an adult approach, you forced us to stick our hand out, shake their hand, and introduce our name before they had a chance to ask our name. 
And I laughed that she remembered that. I do remember <laughs> doing it, but uh, speeding up trial and error socially. Yeah. So they feel comfortable navigating that. She said, I remember one time I was 12 years old and we had to cancel a dentist appointment and you, uh, the mother, Tammy, my wife, Tammy uh, made her call on the phone herself to cancel wow. the appointment. Wow. She was scared to do it. You know, it's simple to coach a kid through that, but now at her age, she reflects back and she thought that sped up the trial and error process. That's Last great. thing I'd say, my son Aaron is 21. He said, it's important to help your high school and college bound kids be more concerned about their curiosity than worrying about their certainty. Mm. So ask questions about everything, talk about everything. Parents worry about, are they on the right track? Do they have the right answers? Certainty about those things. He said, help them be more curious, worry more about that. For example, uh, he's interested, like your profession, in either the financial analyst side, money management, or even the client-facing financial planning. And uh, so he's deeply invested in this. And I remember I said, Aaron, you know, why don't you set up a TD Ameritrade account with your own money? Mm and uh, live out the reality with your own money. If you're gonna counsel others, and so his advice was, that's an area of curiosity for him that he could explore, uh, not to not to show how, but show what. And so he did, he set it up on his own. And it's funny, he and I will text back and forth sometimes about, Dad, I just lost 40 bucks, the market dipped. <laughs> um, but uh, for him, that's advice that he gave. So I was encouraged to hear my own kids wow. be uh, uh, in a place where they can reflect themselves on uh, things that help them prepare to launch. Fabulous. Yeah, it, it's experiential. And you know, that's one of the themes, if I can make a tiny little plug for Bethel and one of their uh, programs in particular, a relatively new one, is the financial services professional degree. And uh, Bethel's going to be graduating its first crop of those students in the spring. We've been excited to have many of them in our office as interns and, and get to connect with these students. But I love that th- all of them were required to have three internships uh, during their during their program, and it got them exposed to lots of different um, kind of segments of the financial services field, so that they could explore: is this something that I really want to do? And have more confidence as they start their career. I I think it's going to put them ahead of the pack, yeah. and. Uh, uh, so, so that's something I, I love the advice you're giving yeah. from a pers- uh, the perspective of a parent, from the education perspective. Make sure that you are getting application time, experience time as you're going through college. Wish that upon your kids and encourage them early. Dr. Chenoweth, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, guys. I, I, I sure hope it's not the last time. Thanks for, for um, investing into this community and, and sharing your wisdom. On behalf of Dr. Greg Chenoweth, Joshua Gregory, and myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.